0: perfectly aligned with the will and plan of God and then along the way you decide I don't, you don't like the plan of will of God and you make up your own plan of will uh, which is you know the history of humanity has, has always done that. Uh, well she got mad and, and left the church and never came back uh, but you know um, there's no my problem right because uh, you know the reason why they came up with that doctrine that they were born that way is uh, because that way they can say they don't have a choice but if you know anything about the word, you know that any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is bad doctrine. You always have a choice. You have a choice to follow God or not follow God. Now, you'll have to pay for that choice, right? But it's still your choice. So there's no, there's no, I mean, you can decide to like girls or like boys. It's still, you're still your choice, right? Well, I'm just made that way. No, you're not. You made a choice. Amen. Uh, and uh, and that's not hateful. That's just normal, you know, sanity, a uh, 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 sane statement that's not being hateful about it but uh, the reason why they want to come up with that lie they were born that way is so they are so they can remove the guilt uh, of, of their sin uh, they're not really removing it but in their minds you know they're not responsible for their sin because well they were born that way so they can't help it well, that's not true because any doctrine that says you don't have a choice the greatest gift that the Lord has given to mankind is your choice all of faith is founded upon the idea that you have a choice right all of salvation is based upon the the idea that you have a choice all the blessings of heaven are founded upon the idea that you have a choice you can follow god or not follow god if you're smart you would follow god right a sane intelligent human being would follow god because it's the best way to operate in this earth but you know that we as a church you know to bring it back in the church we have not done a good enough job explaining that to people right people think they have a choice and and uh, or people think they don't have a choice and they were made that way and um, and, of course, uh, that that concept then is true in every area of your life. So you have to remove statements out of your life that says, I couldn't help it. They made me do that. Anything like that that removes your choice is not correct doctrine. So you can't say, they made me do that, or I couldn't help it. You can say, I didn't want to help it. Well, okay, that's, that's, that's more accurate, right? Uh, or, you know, uh, I wanted to do that, and, and so... Because if you say I couldn't help it, then what you're saying is, Lord, I'm not responsible for that action. Are you responsible for all your actions? Amen. So you can't biblically say I couldn't help it, uh, and it's a little on the on the edge of I didn't mean to, right? That's kind of you know, I kind of lean to that. You know, that's not really true either, right? But um, but for sure you can't say I couldn't help it because then you're saying you don't have a choice, and therefore you're not guilty of of whatever. If you had an infraction at the at, uh, as a result of that, you know, I couldn't help it. You know, I had to slash their tire, right? I couldn't help it. I, you know, had to put them in their place. I couldn't help it, you know. Uh, well, you know, those are not true statements, not biblically true, right? Uh, and so you would, be, you would be better off if you would change your, your, your statement to say, I didn't want to help it. I wanted to say those things. I wanted to do those things. And even if they're wrong, at least you have an opportunity to repent. Because if you say, I couldn't help it, then what you're saying is it's not necessary for me to ever repent for that action, and you think that you're not responsible or not guilty for that, even though you are. You know, when you get to heaven, you say, "Lord, I I couldn't help it." You'd be like, no, wrong answer, right? You wanted to. Here, let me show your heart. Let me show you your own heart. You planned it. You wanted to do it, and then you made an excuse that you couldn't help it, and so you're still responsible for those actions. Uh, and so, and that's the. And but you know, from my perspective. When I started learning these ideas many years ago from the Word of God, it, great, it, it gave me great joy because, uh, see, I grew up with a mindset that, that my life was, was not under my control, that I, I only responded to my environment, that if somebody may be mad, then there's nothing I could do about it, I just had to be mad. And then as I started studying the Word of God, I realized, you know, I get to choose. Uh, and that brings great joy to me because I get to choose. I get to choose if I'm going to be mad or not mad. I get to choose if I'm going to walk in sin or not sin. Uh, and, and, and if I choose to not do those things, there's great joy that comes along with that. And I found it a great blessing in my life to, to live a life without any excuses. In fact, um, the Lord's been kind of um, uh, giving me some, some uh, unction. I haven't, haven't done it yet, but to uh, actually have, teach a whole message on from the scriptures give you biblical principles and and, uh, examples of living without excuse. Uh, Because it's one of the greatest, if you can ever learn to live without excuse, it'd be one of the greatest things of freedom you'll ever find. Because living by excuse, I couldn't help it, you know, uh, they may be mad, or I just had to have that, I just had to do that. All of those things are excuses that will lead you into a place of no blessings. Because you end up with being, doing all these sins, and never repenting of them because you're saying, I'm not guilty of them because I couldn't help it. And yet you are guilty of them and you're suffering under the the uh, ramifications of those sins and without repentance, you'll, you'll be under that the, the responsibility of that sin maybe the rest of your life until you, until you wake up and go, you know, I did that, Lord, and I choose to repent. Yeah. And so it, it's to your advantage if you live without excuse and yet, you know, it, it's you know uh, if we do that uh, I think I was talking to Mr. Tracy today about steel-toed shoes you're going to have to bring, bring, bring some steel-toed shoes to church right because it's, it's an area that is, it, people can get touchy about right uh, I remember one time uh, uh, when Dr. Dufresne was around Dr. Dufresne and um, he was a prophet of the Lord uh, and uh, he was at this uh, at this pastor's church uh, ministering and so of course the pastor had to go pick him up at the airport well he got there late he got, he, he got there late picking him up. And, of course, the, Dr. Frank's had a private jet, so he just lands. There's no, no delays in a private jet. You just land when, you know, if you're going to land at 6 o'clock, you're going to land at 6 o'clock, right? There could be weather, but for the most part, you get to pick and choose. And so, so the pastor was late picking him up. And, and so he got there, and the pastor said, sorry I was late. There was traffic. So what's he saying? I'm not responsible for being late. Uh, and Dr. Dufresne you know you got you had to be careful with just saying things around Dr. Dufresne because he just you know he wasn't one of these guys you know like like Brother Hagan, he probably never say anything about it now he would know that it was wrong but he probably never call you out on it but Dr. Dufresne also sat under Lester Sumrall who would just skin your hide you know uh, 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 three times you know the Sunday uh, and uh, and then pour some salt on it you know just for good measure but he, he said uh, he said sorry I was late I was stuck in traffic he said well This is your town. You know when traffic is. You should have left earlier. And it's true, right? It it was his town. He knew how much traffic, you know, time of day, right? You know there's always going to be traffic or whatever. Uh, And just in case, you know, you could have left left early enough enough to avoid the traffic, get on a back road or something. And so, you know, Dr. Dufresne's like, there's no excuse. And so it's like, well, what do you say? No, you're wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, you know, (laughs) fired out from heaven, you know. Uh, he was correct in that, wasn't he? Uh, now, you know, it might have hurt the, the pastor's feelings uh, for saying that, uh, but, you know, um, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with apologizing, but uh, and what I would have done and what I would do now, I, just, I would just say, sorry, I'm late. I would repent for, for being late. I wouldn't make an excuse because if you say, sorry, I'm late, there was traffic. Therefore, I'm not responsible for being late. No, so you leave off that last part of, of the excuse part, right? You can say, you know, I apologize for being late. Uh, you know, and then he could have said, uh, well, then you should have left earlier. Okay, but I just apologized, right? So now, you know, you can't, you can't throw it back in me. I just, I just repented, you know, and asked you to forgive me for being late. So, you know, you kind of, you got to learn how to, you know, because if you're, if you're wrong, you, it's okay to admit that you're wrong. Hey, I was wrong, and I'm late, and I apologize for that. You know, it's fine, right? But see, if you say, if you add an excuse on it, then what you're, then what you're trying to do is remove the guilt without uh, any repentance, uh, in fact, that's one of the things that, that, uh, um, uh, that uh, was it, William Booth, the general of the Salvation Army, one of the things he said at the turn of the 20th century, right, so around 1900, uh, he said that, uh, uh, that there'd be repentance without guilt, right? People, people trying to get, uh, or forgiveness without repentance is what, is what he said that is going to be one of the issues in the church, that they want forgiveness without repentance, uh, and that's what people are trying to say is they're trying to remove their guilt by making an excuse it just doesn't ever work you know i mean from the who was the first one to make it make an excuse yeah. anybody know no when the devil adam. adam was the first one making an excuse right what do he say it was that, he did this right here it was that woman you gave me right yeah. which she had a point right i mean it was it's always a woman's fault right? i mean but you know still but it's the first excuse right very first excuse and then what did, he, what did the Lord do? Then he went to Eve, and he said, what's up? But what did she do? It was that serpent, right? And then so what did, you, what did the Lord do after that? He went to the serpent. And what did the serpent do? Man, there's nobody left around, right? He was trying to point his finger, but everybody else had already got a place of guilt. So, uh, and so then no, no, he, he removed, you know now he doesn't have any fingers at all, right? Because he's on a serpent, on a belly, right? And so that way he can't point to anybody. Uh, and so... But then the Lord dealt with the serpent, then he went back and dealt with Eve, then he finally went back to Adam, right? So nobody got to use their excuses as a, as, a, as a valid reason to be without guilt. They were all guilty, amen? And you can do this all you want to. You're always guilty of your own actions, amen? Now, we try it, and we think we get away with it, right? You don't ever get away with it. You, know, you just don't ever, you just never, you never get away with it. It'll be on your account until you repent. You know, and so it's better to deal with it now than to stand before the Lord Jesus and uh, uh, he brings it up. Well, Lord, I had an excuse for that. No, we're going to talk about it for a thousand years. Right. Uh, And so uh, it's it's a good place to be. Amen. Uh, And so uh, because an excuse, uh, if you're not careful, then you start saying, well, Lord, I can't. Right. Uh, Because it's too hard or I can't because of this or that. Uh, and then, then you get out of the will of God. Well, Lord, I, can't, I can't be that pastor over there because it's too hard. Or I can't you know, be a missionary over here because it's too hard. Or, uh, and yet the, the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And so then you start getting uh, into trouble with the Lord, right? That you're now no longer in the will of God. And yet we were in Philippians chapter four. We read uh, verse 13. It says, I can do all things through the Christ which strengthens me. Is that true or not? Amen. Then you really can't say, I can't do that. Because if you're in the will of God, is there anything you can't do? There's literally nothing you can't do in the will of God right now. If you're on your own, well, that's, you know, there's things you can't do on your own. But if you're in the will of God, is there anything that you can't do? No. And, and so, if that's a true verse, if that verse is true, right? If you can do all things through Christ, who strengthens you, is that true? Oh, yeah, it's true, it's true. Well, why were you late? Oh, I don't know about that. You know, I, uh, I mean, we, we had a, a lady when we were on praise worship team, uh, I was running sound, and Chris would play the saxophone and uh, practice always started at 8 30 every Sunday she would come in at 8 45 9 o'clock every Sunday and the pastor had greater uh, um, patience than I would have had you know I mean like you know why can't you just get here on time right you're always late that means we have to go back and wait for the song that you're leading and and sing it later in the practice because you're not there at the start of practice you know and so she said, I just can't get up early but she knew practice starts at 8.30 when she signed up for the job, right? But I'm thinking, well, you can't, well, what's the difference between getting up at 8.30? I mean, okay, so you're too tired to get up at 8.30, so just go to bed 15 minutes early. If you know you've got to be there, I never have understood that, right? I just never ever understood... I'm mean, you know, sometimes you're late, sometimes, you know, things happen, right? So it's not like we're trying to just beat people up for every, every minor infraction. It's the, the issue is not the, the infraction, the issue is the excuse to remove the guilt of the infraction. Uh, and so uh, it's not that you're late, it's like, why are you late? Well, you know, yeah, yeah, I just can't get up early. Based on what? I mean, uh, you're not late to your job, because they'd fire you, I mean, you know, most jobs, if you're late every day, you start getting points. You get so many points, you're gone. It's amazing how people are are, are super faithful to uh, to the world, but when it comes to the to the Lord and, and His work, yeah, you, you know, we got options. Oh, you don't have options at work, but you have got options at, at the at the work of the Lord. You can just do it or not do it. Uh, and so again, I'm I'm not trying to uh, beat up beat up anybody, but the the in the church that that's been a real problem, right, for centuries. It's uh, in humanity, right. I mean, again very first human being created starts doing this right here, right? Well, you know what? Nothing's changed since then. We've been exactly the same humanity since, since Adam, right? Nothing's changed in Genesis. And so, uh, but we cannot live that way. We can choose not to live that way, right? Uh, well, I can't just not, you know, I can't live that way. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, right? <laughs> Is that what it says? <laughs> and so if that's true, see, then, then you really can't say I couldn't help it. Right? You really can't say, I, and you can't say, Lord, I can't do your will, uh, because then you're saying that this verse no, no longer applies to me. Uh, and so, but if we would live that way, you know, actually your life is better. Uh, because we all know in our hearts, if we're, if we're making excuses or doing things that are not the will and plan of God, and that we, want, we don't want to repent of, we know those things, but, but we kind of ignore them, or we hope they go away, and yet they still build up in our hearts. And after a while, you know, you lose uh, one, of the, one of the greatest uh, issues with that is you lose confidence with God. Because the more you walk in excuses and, and doing infractions that are against the will and plan of God, the, the harder it is to follow God. Uh, because you just feel unworthy of his, of his presence because of your own actions. And if we just repent, you get right back with God, and then you can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find, help, find grace to help a time of need. Uh, and so, it's a really good place to be, and it should never be taken. See, I've never taken the word of God as, as something that beats me up. When I see a verse that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, I don't look at that verse and go, there's no way. I look at the verse and go, really? I can live that way? Wow. And so when I accept that word as being true, see, then the Spirit of God will start saying, well, let's deal with this situation over here. You know, you're always late. Or let's deal with the situation. You always get mad. Let's deal with the situation over here. You know, you're always complaining. Let's deal with the situation over here. Or, you know, you're always this or always that. Uh, and, and then, you know, he'll, he'll work you over, but at the end of it, you're going to be a lot happier. Amen? Uh, and so uh, the happiest you'll ever be is when you're fulfilling the perfect plan and will of God. Uh, you want to get the greatest joy in your life? Then completely uh, fulfill his plan and will for your life, 100%. Not 80%, not, not, uh, not 63.5% hundred percent and there's just some people you know they will always struggle in that area because they don't want any responsibility or or, or um any be required for any faithfulness at all uh, and that's fine but you're never going to be happy that way you think you're happy because you have no responsibilities but you're not really happy because the lord wants to give all of us responsibilities and uh I, I, we were i was on the uh the uh i don't know what they called but we had a board that was responsible for just basically the the uh, uh, the care of the pastor and whatever he needed. And uh, one of the people on, on the board, she'd have all these great ideas. And we say, yeah, that's great. Why don't you do that? She said, no, I, she said, I'm not really one to do things. I just, you know, I just like to tell people what to do and then have them do it. I'm like, well, that's easy, but anybody can do that, right? It, it You know, and it's really just lazy, right? That's <laughs> called being lazy, right? Well, you all do everything, and I'm going to sit back here, and I'm going to do nothing, right? That's a great job if you can get it, but there's not really a... You got need jobs where I can just sit around and just, like, do nothing and just kind of point, you know? I think that's called an elected official, right? I don't know, but... Uh... <laughs> so, anyway, maybe you get that job in Washington. I don't know, but uh, anyway, we better get on and pray. So, let me pray, and we'll get into the Word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for blessing us and increasing us each and every day. Father, we thank you that your word is true and it's sure, Father. And we can have faith in it because you've spoken it, Father, and it cannot change. And so, Father, we receive his word that way, Father. When we read your promises, we believe that you've spoken it and it cannot change and it will come to pass if we choose to accept it by faith. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 4. We'll continue there today. And so, of course, Chris is not with us today. She's in, down in Atlanta. Uh, that her her uh, group's got a meeting down there, so she'll be there all week and return with us on Friday. And so um, so we got down to um, uh, to verse uh, 14 and 15 here. Uh, and there's a couple more things I wanted to to uh, discuss around verse 15. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, But here in verse 14, we'll just read these two verses again and continue. It says, notwithstanding, you you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. So he's talking about the financial support that the Philippian church gave to him. He said, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And so we talked about how the church at Philippi, when they had originally started giving uh, and we see the reference to that event in Second Corinthians chapter 8 and, and that was, Second uh, Corinthians was written uh, five to six years before Philippians and so now it's been five or six years since uh, he said from the beginning, right? And so it's been five or six years that they started giving and if you remember we read in Second Corinthians chapter 8 uh, they were, uh, in fact I'll just read this here I've got it in my notes He said, moreover, this is 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, moreover, brethren, uh, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So Macedonia was the region, right? Philippi was a city. Uh, How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. So they were in deep poverty, right? And I just went through, looked at some some different translations for that. One said desperately poor, uh, profound poverty, uh, their poverty which reached the very depths of destitution, uh, the depths of the poverty, most extreme poverty. So they were, so they weren't just poor; they were dirt poor, right? Uh, and so they were really, really poor. Except uh, they had great liberality in blessing Paul financially. Now here we are, five or six years later, and he and he's telling uh, the Philippians that you sent once and again unto my necessity. So so now you know uh, people that are in great and deep extreme poverty aren't able to consistently give, right? Because they're in deep, extreme poverty unless they, they start giving by faith. And when you start giving by faith, you know, by direction of the Spirit of God, not by the coercion of the ministry, but by direction of the Spirit of God, you do it by faith and you, you increase your financial uh, status. Uh, and when you do that, then you can once and again give to the need of, of the ministry, which is what they did, right? And so they gave their way out of poverty which is an interesting uh, economic plan, right? Most people think they've got to save money and, and um, you know, do, things, uh, do things the hard way, uh, but that's not God's economy, right? God's economy is you give your way uh, out of poverty, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, I was just, uh, uh, well, let, let's, uh, let's look at a couple of other things here. Uh, when he said um, at the end of verse 15 that no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving uh, except you only. So when he's talking about the communication there, that means that they entered into a partnership with Paul. So uh, that word where it says communicated means that they decided to be partners with Paul's ministry, right? And of course, we see that today as partners of ministries. You know, we're partners of other ministries. Uh, and as, that's a little more formal than what Paul was talking about here. Their heart was just to help Paul, right? And in that, by their actions, they uh, Paul was con- was considering them as partnering or desire to be, uh, you know, part of his ministry. Right? partner. It means that they have their part, and Paul's got their part. Paul's got his part, and, and the Philippians have their part. Uh, and so, uh, but if you think about uh, in uh, what was their partnership? Well, they, they, the partnership was in giving and the receiving, right? Because Paul talked about both of these, and we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about that in, uh, in general here in just a second. Uh, but uh, and we looked at other verses like this about. Um, you know, that uh, if Paul gave them to them spiritual things, it wasn't any great thing for him to receive other carnal things. And, and that's a pretty fair exchange, right? If, uh, if the minister, in this case Paul, was doing his part, which is to pray and to seek God and to obtain revelation and to put it together in a way that he could then expound that to the people to cause them to, to be blessed and to be increased spiritually, uh, then it was, it was not an unreasonable thing for Paul to expect you know, for them to also partner back with him. He gave to them great valuable spiritual things and so they could give back to him great valuable natural things, right? Because did Paul need to eat? Paul needed to eat, right? Uh, and although it sounds pretty basic, but it's still, um, that's not an unreasonable thing to, to, to expect, right? Of course, we know other scriptures that talk about that, that the workman is worthy of his wages, right? Uh, in in uh, verses like that, uh, and yet, uh, many churches historically, you know, and it, it, it's, it's not every church, but a, a lot of churches historically, you know, they, they, they think that the pastors should, should be near, near poverty, right? Um, in fact, when Brother Hagan said uh, that uh, that's the way they treated him when he was a Baptist pastor, uh, and he said when he moved over to the Pentecostal world, he said they doubled up on it. Yeah. And he said he thinks that their prayer was, Lord, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. Uh, and and because he just they just didn't you know take care of him right financially uh, and and, um, you know they've talked about he'd have a service and and they'd get pennies right for the for the whole message Uh, and and, you know I understand there's certain times and seasons of people's lives where they're not able to give but not the whole church right but the whole church was doing that right giving them pennies uh, for their services Uh, and uh, and of course Eventually, he learned the area of faith and finances where where the church was no longer his supply, that the Lord was his supply. And he wasn't looking to the church for his supply. Uh, and once he did that and learned about faith and learned about uh, prosperity, because the Lord rebuked him and said, aren't, aren't, you, know, aren't you a pretty little, pretty little thing? You know, you teach faith, but you don't live by faith, which is, you know, for Brother Hagin, for the Lord to tell him that was kind of a low blow. He said, Lord, you've hit me with a low blow. Uh, and he said, well, you're teaching all these things about faith, but you don't have any faith for finances at all. And so you need to change up your praying, you need to change up your believing, you need to change your whole thought, get your thought life uh, changed uh, about, uh, about uh, living by faith financially, right? And so once he did that, he said it took him a while to change, but uh, he eventually changed the whole course and direction. Uh, and, he, and he talked about stories when, he, like during World War II, you know, during World War II, uh, there was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of economic pressure in the whole country, right? Because you could only get, uh, like, you had, and I don't know all the details, but you could only drive certain days of the week, right? So you had a Tuesday Thursday card, so you go and drive on Tuesday Thursday because uh, there wasn't enough gas for rationing to go around, and so there's a lot of rationing went on uh, in the country, uh, and so uh, for for the ministry especially then. You know they have to live off the blessings of the people, and so if the people aren't blessed, then that means typically the ministry wouldn't be blessed if you're looking for the people to be your source. And so he knew a pastor that uh, went and got a, a job at the bank as a vice president of, of uh, whatever uh, and was started making good money. And, and he and his wife, uh, Brother Hagan, and his wife were friends with, with this pastor and, and, uh, and his wife. And the other pastors' wife started bringing home furs, and you know, back when you could wear furs without offending the entire world. Uh, and so, but she had all these fur coats, mink coats, and things, you know. And and uh, brother Hagin's wife was, you know, one dress, you know, no fur coats. And and, uh, and even though she never complained, uh, brother Hagin's wife never complained. It still hurt her, you know, to see that. And he, and you know, all brother Hagin could say is, you know, honey, I. I I, I can't tell you when, he said, but if, if you'll stick with me, it'll change. So instead of, instead of changing course and direction to ease his financial burden by getting out of the will of God, he stayed the course and eventually, you know, succeeded. And, and the Lord taught him how to prosper financially and, uh, and, and everything was better. But it took many years because he grew up with that mentality of poverty, right? Uh, poverty in, in life, poverty in the ministry, poverty everywhere. And the Lord had to change that. Uh, and so uh, eventually he would go uh, and he would believe God for a certain budget when he went to, you know, typically he'd be at uh, churches for weeks at a time and so he, he, he and his wife would decide uh, and agree upon, well, we need this certain amount of money to come in from the church and they wouldn't tell anybody, right? And that's fair because if, if I get up and say, you know, I need at least, you know, X thousands of dollars a month, you know, from this church, that puts people under pressure but if I just believe God and don't tell anybody, then the Lord can speak to you, and bless you, and increase you, and multiply you, and, you know, and, and do all that behind the scenes, and it, everybody's good with that, because nobody's being coerced emotionally, right, nobody's being uh, pressured emotionally to give, uh, and so he would just set a budget, you know, $150 a week, that was his budget, $150 a week, uh, and he, had, we, he went to one pastor, and the pastor said, uh, Brother Hagen, what's your budget? He goes, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I just, that's between me and the Lord, you know, I just believe in God, and I want, I want to know what your budget is. What, you know, what, what do you need? What do you expect to get from the church? Well, you know, I really don't want to, you know, because you know, he, he, he didn't want to put anybody in pressure. Brother, you tell me what your budget is. He said, all right. He said, it's $150 a week. And he said, the pastor fell out of his chair. He said, we've never gotten $150 a week for any, uh, for any minister ever. He said, if the Lord Jesus preached here, we probably couldn't get $150 a week. Uh, and he said, one time we got, I forget what the number was, but it was some low amount of money, like $35. And he said, that was after an hour of begging people, you know, who's got a dollar, who's got a nickel, who's got a penny, right? Uh, an hour on the, on, the, on the offering. You know, a lot of churches do that, right? A lot of big meetings spend an hour receiving the offering and just work you over hard till you say, you know, you just beg them to give them money to move on, right? Here, just take my money. Can you go on, right? Uh, and that's kind of what they do. They wear you down until you give. Uh, and so, uh, so the pastor just just fell out of his chair. And Brother Hagin look, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to tell you, made me tell you. He said, uh, uh, don't get up and make any big pull. Don't get up and say anything. You just get up and say, uh, we're going to receive an offering for Brother Hagin. That's it. That's all I want you to say. I don't want to say anything else. He said, well, Brother Hagin, if I do that, you won't get a dime. He said, then if I don't get a dime, then, then I'll just go around and tell everybody that the Lord Jesus wasn't, wasn't true in his word. Uh, uh, but he said, uh, you, "That's all I want you to do. I don't want you to make any big pull for for finances at all." Uh, and of course, that's what he did. You know, uh, and he and he always got that money. And back one time, you know, they they added it all up, and they were like like twenty five dollars short. And they he, uh, and so, Brother Hagen, let's count it again, because he would help the pastor count the offering. You know, back you do things like that back then, uh, and they counted again. They're still twenty five dollars short. Uh, and the pastor said, well, you know, Brother Hagin, it, w- it was uh, it was, a good shot. You got close. And Brother Hagin's like, no, something's wrong. The Lord said, believe him for this, and that's what I'm believing for. Uh, and he said, he said, actually, now that you mention it, uh, Brother Hagin said, uh, a lady did come by and write a check and gave it to me personally, and I stuck it in my Bible. Oh, well, it's $25. Look at there. And they, they end up like, you know, uh, 30 cents over the budget uh, after they counted everything. And so, uh, so you know, Brother Hagin was not unlike the the Philippian church when he started in the ministry. He was in, in deep poverty. Uh, after a whole year of traveling, he was in deep poverty. And the Lord showed him how to get out of it. Uh, and it was by faith, amen? Uh, and it's the easiest thing in the world to get out of poverty if you want to get out of it, right? But you have to change your mindset to be, to be a giver, amen? And we're going to look at some scriptures that, that back that up, amen? So the giving and receiving... Uh, is in both ways. It's not just the giving and receiving of finances, right? But it's the it, it's the uh, from Paul's perspective, it's the giving, it's the his of the giving of the spiritual things and the receiving of the finances. From the Philippians side, it was uh, them giving the finances and receiving the revelation. So there was giving and receiving in both directions. But they could also give financially and receive financially. Uh, and so uh, let, let's go back and look at. Uh, all the way back to the book of Genesis and we'll see um, about specifically about giving. Uh, giving is, is based upon the, the, the doctrine of giving and receiving. Uh, and, you know, is that a valid scriptural doctrine? It is, right? Is prosperity a valid uh, scriptural doctrine? It is. And yet, wars are fought over this. Uh, and, and I just think it's the dumbest thing in the world, you know? Because uh, if, if I don't manipulate you and just let you give whatever you want to give, then we should be able to teach about this, right? Uh, and so, uh, but people get up. Uh, I, know, uh, I know a church, even in our area, I won't, won't name them, but they, they'll show a video of some televangelist about them receiving, and, and just, this guy's wrong. You know, you gotta be really careful about stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, people give, uh, give uh, Kenneth Copeland a hard time because he's got like five jets, you know. Well, I don't care. What if he gets six? Well, I don't care. Do I know anything about... No, I don't know anything, you know, about his ministry. But uh, I know during uh, one of these events, he was flying his private jet over to Afghanistan and bringing American people back home. Uh, how many uh, flights to Afghanistan did you fund? I mean, how many How many times did you take your private jet over there and, and bring people back, right? Uh, I could probably guess, right? But, but still, uh, you know, you should never stand in judgment over somebody else. Well, I don't think they should... People say, you, you know, that's too big of a house. Based on what? You know, have I mean, you ever seen uh, like Joel Osteen's house? I think you have to have like a, a, a riding vacuum cleaner, like a John Deere riding vacuum cleaner to, to clean the thing, right? I mean, it's huge, right? And, well, they don't need a house that big. That is not any of my business, right? Not any of my business. Because if it's my business, then I have to stand in judgment over him. Is that a position that's available to me in the church, to be his judge? Am I his judge? Well, then I leave it alone. Well, don't you think that? None of my business, right? None of my business. I mean, you know, gold-plated dog houses, none of my business, right? Well, uh, well, don't you think that's wrong? If, if it's wrong, the Lord would deal with it. If it's not wrong, then I'll get into error in saying it's wrong, amen? Uh, and, and so you got to be really careful in standing in position as judge over somebody else's anything, right? Whether it's their finances or anything, uh, it's not your job. Now, if it's a doctrinal thing, is there a book, chapter, verse, thou shalt not have a big house? Uh, uh, thou shalt not have a house bigger than x number of square feet i don't see any bible for that so i don't have any doctrinal uh, standpoint right there right now if i get up and say uh, that you must give it to this ministry because this ministry has a special debt busting anointing i can say something about that because there's no bible for that and you just made that up right there's no special debt busting anointing there's only the 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 general principle of of sowing and reaping uh, and so for people to say things like there's a special debt-busting anointing, doesn't, doesn't it sound good? Man, that sounds good. I should give more. That's why we say things like that, right? To make you give more, not to, not to let you hear from the Spirit of God to give more, but to, to pressure you to give more because, well, I'm going to give money to that guy because that guy's got a special anointing. This guy over here doesn't. Well, didn't the Lord tell you to give money to that guy? Yeah, but he doesn't have a special anointing. This guy does. And so you're greedy, Right? You're not giving to be a blessing to that person. You're, greeting, you're giving so that you can get all your debt paid off. Well, then you're 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 being uh, uh, you're being self-centered in your giving. We give to be a blessing to the receiver. Uh, that's our primary purpose of giving. Amen. If our motivation to give is to get, then then our priorities are incorrect. Uh, and so, uh, uh, because uh, if if you uh, well, we'll look, let's look at here in, in Genesis chapter 8. So in Genesis chapter 8, he, he says at the end of the chapter in verse 22, he says, uh, while the earth remaineth. So how long is this going to be true for? As long as the earth is around. Well, uh, that's probably going to be longer than we're here, right? Uh, more than likely, if the Lord tarries, then the earth will still be here long after we're gone. He said, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So seed time and harvest. Uh, sowing and reaping, uh, giving and receiving shall not cease. So that is a spiritual law that the Lord put in place, right? Sowing and reaping, uh, seed time and harvest. And so uh, that is a spiritual law and the Lord has put in place. Now, uh, it's like anything, this law has been established uh, as a spiritual law by the Lord Himself. A- and uh, if you look at the example of, say, like gravity, is that a law? It's a law of physics, right? Uh, And so, uh, you know, the the theory goes, you know, I don't know if it was was real or not, but I think there is some truth to it that when Sir Isaac Newton was sitting under a tree and an apple fell on him, he started asking, why did an apple, why did it do that? It detached itself from the tree, and somehow it it went from attached on the branch to the ground. How did it get there from here? And he came up with the law of gravity. Uh, And so, you know, he's sitting around. I mean, that's what people did back then. They just sit around and think. You know, I bet there's a reason for that, you know. I bet that, And he came up, and it's a, simple, it's a simple formula, right? It's based upon the mass of the two bodies. Uh, whether it's two planets or two people, there's a gravitational pull, amen? Uh, and if you're really big, you've got a bigger gravitational pull. That's the law of physics, right? I can't change it, I'm sorry, you know? Yeah, uh, uh, and so we're going to leave all the rest of that alone there, but it's the law of gravity. Now, uh, what, is the Lord up in heaven uh, uh, making sure that when that apple falls and he throws it to the ground? Is he actually going in there and, and and himself causing the apple to be moved from the branch to the ground? No, he set the law in motion, and then he leaves it alone, and that law will stay in motion uh, as long as there's an earth, right? Now, we as humans, you know, uh, we take advantage of the law of gravity. Most uh, water systems uh, around the earth are fed by gravity, right? You know, water towers. You know, why why is there water towers? Because if you, put the, if you put the water up high, then gravity is going to pull that water down uh, and add pressure to it and cause it to feed an entire community. And then, if not do anything. It just, it's just gravity, right? It just does its thing. Uh, and so in, even thousands of years ago, the, the Romans were building aqueducts. And they, they figured out, you know, we can make this, this basically a bridge from this lake over here down to the city over here. And if we make it just a little bit lower every few feet, the water would just naturally go on down through that. And they, so they built these ginormous aqueducts uh, and uh, fed water to cities all around uh, Italy and Rome uh, by using this method, by, by the law of gravity. And so gravity has been a great uh, aid to society. But then, you know, the Wright brothers came along in the early 1900s and said, you know, we don't like the law of gravity. We want to do something to, to overcome the law of gravity. And so now you can overcome the law of gravity, right? You have to overcome it with a different law. And the different law is the law of, of uh, lift, right? And so they, they designed an airplane, uh, and they actually didn't have the right wing design, but it was good, good enough, right? If you put enough power at it, you can fly anything. But then somebody uh, eventually came up with a design of a wing, a standard design for a wing, and, and every wing in the world now is shaped essentially the exact same way, right? There's there's a curve on the top of the wing and the airflow flows over that and causes a low pressure under the wing and pushes the, uh, pushes the uh, or a low pressure on, on top of the wing and pushes the, the whole airplane up. Uh, and so they use that law, the law of lift, to overcome the law of gravity. So you can, you can overcome even the law of sowing and reaping, right? Now, the, the best way to do it is, is just, well, let's just take advantage of the law of sowing and reaping, the law of seed time and harvest. But if you don't want to do that, you know you can't overcome that. And the way you do that is you work 80 hours a week. You know, you can be prosperous by just working to death, right? You can be prosperous by working and, or lying or cheating or stealing, right? I mean, you, there, there's ways to overcome the law of sowing and reaping through your own effort, but it, it takes a lot of energy to overcome the law of gravity, doesn't it? Right. That's why the engine on airplanes are so big, because they have to have a lot of energy to overcome the law of gravity. Now, they can. But it's the same thing in humanity. You can overcome the law of sowing and reaping by expending a bunch of energy, a lot of energy in work, right? And just be a self-made person. And that's great. People do it all the time. People out in the world do it all the time. Amen. Uh, and But, you know, the law of sowing and reaping is valid even for those outside the church. You ever notice people that are generous even outside the church always seem to be prosperous too? Because it's not limited. It's a, it's a spiritual law. Uh, and so... Uh, even even those outside the church can take advantage of that law and be generous people and find themselves prosperous. Uh, and so, let's then go over to Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine. So that law, so so that's the law that governs uh, the spiritual aspect of, of finances in the church. It's a law of seed time and harvest, or sowing and reaping. Uh, and so, uh, we should take advantage of that. Amen. Um, if we if we want to if we want to uh, live in the blessings of the Lord and not expend our own energy but expend the energy of faith to, to obtain the finances and the blessings that we have need of, then let's, let's find out how we access this law. right? Now, and so, so Paul is saying here, Now, if you look at all of Paul's writings, Paul actually had a lot to say about finances. Uh, in fact, he probably has more to say about finances than he has about the doctrine of healing. Uh, and yet the church seems to be really bent out of shape about what Paul has to say about it. Um, and I don't know why, but... Uh, uh, and we're not going to look at everything he said because that, that's a whole... Uh, that's a, a large amount of doctrine all by itself. Uh, but let's look at a, a few key verses here. Uh, he said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we read some stuff in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but in chapter 9, let's start in verse 6. Uh, he says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also uh, and we'll stop there for just a second. Uh, now, all he's saying is the law of seed time and harvest that we read from Genesis chapter 8, still valid. So now, if you sow sparingly, is the Lord punishing you by you receiving sparingly? The, it, it, the, that, that law is in motion. He's not, he's not going up and going, okay, what's your account look like today? Yeah, no, that's not very much. Don't, don't, don't give him much today. He, he's not managing that law. That law is, is self-sustaining, uh, and it's been put in motion, he said, as long as the earth's around, the law of seed, time, and harvest is going to be a valid law, right? And so, uh, so the Lord is not punishing you if you sow sparingly. Now, now, what does that mean, sow sparingly? Well, that depends, right? How much money do you have? I get a dollar. Well, what would sowing sparingly uh, look like if you only have a dollar? I don't know. But, uh, you know, if you gave a dollar and you have a dollar, that's not sowing sparingly, Right? But what if you have a billion dollars and you give a dollar? You know, I mean, uh, again, I'm not anybody's judge, but I would suspect that would be considered sewing sparingly, right? You ever see these, the, uh, you hear these country songs all the time, right? I'm gonna put another $5 bill in a plate on Sunday. Like, really? That song made you $10 million and you're gonna give an extra $5 in the plate on Sunday. Aren't you generous, right? Now look, if you don't have $5, you need to give $5, that's not sewing sparingly, right? That's sewing generously. But if you just made a million dollars on your song, right, it went, it went gold, right, that means you sold a million copies of it or, or sold a million dollars worth of it. If it went platinum, it means you sold a million copies of it. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that the Lord's going to be impressed if you put an extra $5 in, in the plate on Sunday, right? Uh, now, I know it's just a song, but it's just funny to hear him say that, right? It's like, you mean the, the guy that's driving the, the stretched limo everywhere he goes, right? You're going to put an extra 5 Well, aren't we impressed, Right now and so so who decides if it's sparingly or bountifully well the lord does right the the uh, now the lord's going to tell you what to do right and so if you do whatever the lord tells you to do then you're sowing bountifully amen and that's that's and that makes it really easy not my job to judge that why should i be the arbiter of of whether you're uh, you know or you can give more than that well how do you know right Maybe you're supporting an orphanage in, in, uh, you know, Tijuana or something. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know what you do with your money. Maybe you're supporting your grandmother, you know. Maybe you're supporting your your long-lost aunt or something. Uh, And, and, you know, your finances are being involved with that. So uh, you're helping somebody else. Uh, And so for me me to stand over judgment over you is not my position. Amen. I stand in no judgment over anybody's uh, giving or sowing records. You know, we talked about that the other day. Because then I have to decide, I have to know what your total income is. I have to know what your current debt load is. I have to know what your, what your spare uh, income is, right? I have to know what you do with your money other than giving it to the church. Well, I don't want any of that responsibility, right? And so I leave it alone. But uh, Paul said the law is already in place, so I don't have to do anything about it. The law is already in motion. So if you sow sparingly, but, uh, based upon and measured by what the Lord would decide is sparingly or abundantly for you, because didn't the widow, remember the widow gave the two mites, right? Now, how did the Lord know that the widow gave two mites? Remember the story? He said that he was sitting there watching them. <laughs> he was watching. They, now, wouldn't that make you feel comfortable? The Lord Jesus is watching what you put in that plate. What, what are you putting it over there? You know, uh, and he said, you know, she gave out of, uh, out of her great need, but they gave out of their abundance, right? And so for them, it wasn't any big deal. Now, they gave a lot more than her two mites, but he was more impressed with her faith than he was with their faith. Why? Because really, she did what was on her heart. They did what what made them look good. Well, I gave $100 to the church the other day. Well, I mean, where where, where'd you get the $100? I got so much money, you got that out of my couch cushions, right? For some people to give $100 would be a huge deal, right? I remember the first time I gave $100, thinking it was a, you know, I mean, I didn't really get in pride over it, but I thought, well, that's really stretching my faith, right? And now, Chris and I, you know, we give a lot more than that, and, and it's not even a big deal. Amen? And I'm glad to do it. And, and we never, never regret a dollar we ever give. Amen? Because we, we believe with all our hearts we give according to the, the Lord Jesus what he wants us to do. And that's all you should ever do, right? You should never, ever be in a, And look, I have given... You know, I mean, maybe you all have too, I don't know, but I have given plenty of times uh, under coercion, right? People start hyping up things. You just kind of get caught up in the emotions, and, uh, and, I, and, and I regret falling for that trap you know i don't fall for that trap anymore but you know i have you know in years gone by done that right and and it's unfortunate that probably many if not all of you have done the same thing right Uh, i was at one church one time and and uh, they received an offering i was just visiting and they they left and came back He said well we didn't get a big enough offering we're gonna take up a second offering well that's really bold but i'm thinking well i already gave lord well i believe you want me to give i wasn't like holding back Oh, you give this much money. now. Nah, I'm not going to do that, Lord. And they come back, give me a second chance. Okay, Lord, now I'll give the rest of it. I, that, you know, I, I don't play those games with the Lord. If he tells me to give, I give and, and then, you know, deal with the rest of it. Uh, and so I didn't give the second time around because in my heart, I already gave. And I didn't have an attitude about it. I thought, well, they're really bold. I mean, that's bold, right? Uh, and so, but, you know, to me, again, it's not for them, but I, I, I just never could do that. Because it, it, it's almost implying that, well, you know, you all stingy, right? You all didn't give it up the first time around. And I, I just because of who I I just I could I just couldn't do that, right? I'm not saying they're wrong, I just I couldn't do that. To just me personally, amen. And so so the Lord is not punishing people in their reaping, they're gonna reap sparingly. If they give sparingly, it's not him punishing you, it's that's the law of, of sowing and reaping, right? That's the law of seed time and harvest. And so if you've got a giant garden, you go put out one seed, what's you going to get? You're going to get one plant. Uh, and do you, ever, do you ever have like a six-acre garden? You go put one seed and you get one plant, and you go, wow, that is really impressive. Uh, look at that. Do you see my one plant over there? It's like, well, I mean, I can't see it. It's a huge garden. Where is it? It's that little plant way over there. You know, nobody's going to be super impressed with that, right? Uh, and so, so you've got you've to make sure that you get, don't get an attitude well, Lord, I gave. And look, you know, a lot of times, um, I hear people a lot of times, and the church has been really bad about this, they treat uh, sown reaping like the lottery. If you give one time, give big. Just give one time, and all your needs will be met. Is that the law of seed time and harvest? Doesn't seed time, you have to plant seed every season? I mean, don't just plant corn one season, and that's it. I planted it once, Lord, 18 years ago, you know, how come I going to get everything back the first time? Well, you plant the seed, you get the harvest, you get more seed, and then you go back and you plant more, you know, plant it again. Hopefully you increase it the second time around, right? Uh, and so, you know, you've got to, uh, you've got to be careful uh, in treating finances like the lottery. My, my ship's going to come in. You know, usually this is a, an act of faith that you have to do over a consistent uh, period of time to get your finances stable. And people still treat the Lord like the lottery. Uh, and, and they're going to, you know, because in the lottery, the lottery mentality is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put as little money into the system as I can to get a huge payout and never have to work again. And that's the whole mentality of the lottery. Put as little as you can into it and get out everything back that you need. Uh, and, and that's not God's economy, right? That's the lottery, uh, and I know people who just, uh, when you tell them, you know, it's based upon, a, a, and I say a long time. It doesn't have to be a long time, whatever the time period is, but it's a time period of faithfulness over, over, uh, over a period of time of faithfulness. Then you get a faithful return on, on your faith, amen, by what you've given, uh, and, uh, and if you're looking for the lottery, then your, your whole mentality is wrong. You know, I was talking with a lady one time, as long as I knew her, she struggled financially. You know, always broke, always dollar dollars short, just always, right? Always need to borrow money, just always broke. And I, you know, and I tried to help her. I said, well, are you tithing? No. Well, then there's nothing the Lord can help you with, right? Because seed time and harvest is a spiritual law the Lord established all the way back in the book of Genesis and then took his hands off of it and said, anybody who wants to take advantage of this law, it's available, just like gravity. You don't have to ask heaven, hey, if I jump off of this tree, you know, will you make sure that I get on the ground? Heaven's like, we put that law in motion a long time ago. Uh, if you jump out of the tree, you're going to the ground. Amen. Uh, and so you don't have to ask heaven to, for gravity to work. It's going to work. He put that law in motion. And so I said, you know, if you'll give, uh, you, you can give your, way, give your way out of poverty. Again, I didn't tell her what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I said, but you know, you should tithe. Uh, and so a week later, Literally a week later, she came to me and said, you know, I gave last week and nothing's changed. But she said that, and it was all I could do. was like, like really? You, you, you've not given for 50 years of your life, and you gave one time, and you expect the Lord to just change everything instantly, right? Uh, you know, if, if that ground is, has laid fallow for, for decades... You know, you've got to fertilize it, you've got to till it, you've got to weed it, you've got to de- get all the rocks out of it. You know, it takes some effort, right, to, 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 uh, to take care of the soil that you're going to sow into. Uh, and and let me just say one other thing about sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is the reaping comes about because of your obedience to your faith. It doesn't come about because of the destination of your sowing. See, a lot of times people want to, want to change the, the law of sowing and reaping and say it matters where you sow because uh, they use the, they use the parable of a sower from matthew thirteen but that 's not about sowing the word it 's not about sowing finances right and that 's a whole i mean that's you 're mixing metaphors there and you 're going to get into trouble The law of sowing and reaping uh, operates by the faith of obedience, and so when Jesus had given it shall be what given it unto you then why why do you why is it given unto you because you did what because you gave right well, why did you give because you 're obedient to the request of the Spirit of God to give, right? So if he says to give, then you give. So does the destination really matter? Well, the destination doesn't matter because if the Lord tells you to give, then you give. And, and your reaping is based upon your obedience to give, not on the destination of your, of your giving. Uh, and, but see, we don't like that in the ministry because then I can't say, well, my, my destination of giving is better than that guy's destination of giving. See, I can't make a distinction between you giving to me and you giving to that guy over there. But see, it, but if, if it matters where you give, then I can say, this ministry is good soil. You ever heard anybody say that? This ministry is good soil. Doesn't that preach good? It sounds great. It's not biblical. Because it, your obedience of faith to do what the Lord tells you to do is where you get your reaping from. And so if he tells you to give... Now, I believe, generally speaking, your primary giving would be in your local church, you know, just from the storehouse from Malachi chapter 3, and generally speaking, that would make sense, Right? But what if you give money to Brother Randy or give money to, you know, anywhere, any missionary, wherever you want to give? Uh, is that better soil than somewhere else? Well, uh, what about the poor? You ever try to help poor people? You ever let poor people borrow money? What happens tomorrow? You know they're still poor. Why? Because some people, they're just poor. They will always be poor. Why? Because they, they, they don't give primarily, right? Because they don't think they can. They don't think they can afford to. Uh, and every single person i've ever helped with with finances always told me the same reason why they can't give i can't afford to you mean you can't give that quarter right there if i was if i was broke i'd give a quarter i'd i'd go i'd walk the streets and find a penny and i would give that whole penny the next week uh, i would i mean if i was that desperate i would find money to give uh, and then i would give it gladly and i would start there because i'd got to plant seed uh, and so if Jesus told you to give to the poor, is that good soil? I mean, would you expect that, that poor person would take that money and, and multiply it and invest it and, and become rich? Well, you would hope to, but what, more than likely, what's going to happen? Nothing. They'll be poor tomorrow, right? Because didn't Jesus say you'll always have the poor with you? Well, what does he mean by that? That means as long as you're around, there's going to be poor people there, Right? Now, hopefully you can elevate poor people out of that, just like the Philippians did in their, in their deep poverty, right? Their in extreme poverty. They gave their way out of the poverty. But, you know, uh, some people, that just, you're always going to have people that have needs. And that's fine, right? I mean, that's the deal. We're not upset about it. That's just the deal. Uh, but see, we've got to get out of the mentality that the destination is the most important thing. No, it's the faith that's the most important thing. The faith of the obedience to do what the Lord's called you to do and asked you to do, that's the most important thing. And so I can't get up and say this ministry is good soil, but what's that even mean, right? Because does that mean that that only this de- only this address, eleven eighty eight Market Street, is is the place where you can where the law of sowing and reaping will actually take place? If you go down the street, the law of sowing and reaping won't work over there. It only works here. Well, that's not biblically true. That can't that can't possibly be biblically true. And so so Jesus would have said, give only to these destinations and you'll be given unto you. He didn't add that footnote. And so, so the, the giving part is, uh, and we read the whole counsel of God, is according to the Spirit of God. Wherever the Spirit of God tells you to give, then that's where you should give. That's your, that's your best soil because that's the soil of obedience, right? It's not because it's this church. It's because that's the, the requirement that the Spirit of God gave to you. And so be careful about letting people, you know, manipulate you, right? This ministry is good soil yeah, it sounds good, not biblical. Uh, and, and I hear people say it all the time. And it's, you know, and, and once you hear it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Next time you, you all hear it, the next year, I guarantee you. We'll check back a year later. Who's Who in here have heard the, the statement that this ministry, whatever it is, is good soil? I mean, you, I'm sure, have you all heard that phrase before? You, any, you ever seen where it's book, chapter, verse for that phrase? None. You know why? Because it's not in there. And so, uh, but, but, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, the thing is, well, the, aren't you afraid that people are going to give in your ministry? No, because you're not my source. The Lord's my source. If the Lord's my source, he'll tell you to give. And, you know, if you don't give, he'll tell the next guy to give, right? Well, I ain't giving there. You know, he's going to have to bring in six more people to fix you, right? Well, why are those six new people all blessed? Well, because they're here because you're not giving. Right? So the Lord had to bring them in to make up your, your lack of giving, right? Uh, and again, so I'm, I'm not checking anybody. I'm just saying that it, that's a general statement, right? I'm not, I'm not, well, he's talking to me. I'm not talking about anybody. I just, you know, that's just, that's the law of, of seed time and harvest, amen? And so he said, but, and continuing verse six, he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Well, why is that? Because it's a law of seed time and harvest, right? If you have a six acre uh, uh, garden and you plant a six acre garden, you're gonna reap from six acres right if you plant a half acre garden then you're going to reap a half acre garden and so the more you sow the more you reap now that's that's simple that's simple uh heaven economics right uh so bountifully well what does bountifully mean it depends on on your on your account on your bank account where are you right today where are you today uh and according to what the spirit of god tells you to do then that's what bountifully means so is there a number there's not a number uh, and, and so uh, the question for you is, uh, and we talked about this earlier uh, too, uh, You know, people, people a lot of times think, if, if I can just get the lottery, I'll give big. Not likely. Because it's going to be really hard for you to write that $100,000 check. If you win a million dollar lottery, it's going to be really hard because you're going you're to take the lump sum, which comes out to be $500,000, and you're only going to give uh, maybe $50,000. But you really should give $100,000 because you, you won a million dollars and the government took 50% of it but the Lord's first fruits, he's before the government, right? And so you really ought to give $100,000. Well, I can't give $100,000. That means I only have $500,000 left or $400,000 left. Or you can't scrap buying $400,000? Uh, you know, again, none of my business. But you know, when, I think, when I think of law of sowing and reaping, I think of first fruits, right? Uh, and, and the Lord gets his cut for, for me and my wife, as long as we've been married. The Lord gets his cut first. Not Uncle Sam not after Social Security, not after Medicare, not after 401K, not after you know, medical and dental, and, and uh, because we can fees, uh, the Lord gets his first cut, right? And he's always got his first cut with us, as long as we've been married him, He'll always get his first, because it's his, amen? Uh, and so uh, it's not after, well, after my cable and phone and, and dog bill and car payment and house payment and insurance payment, then I'll take a cut for the Lord. Uh, and so, now again, you you do whatever you want to, but generally speaking, the law of, of the tithe is on the first fruits, right? Not the second or last fruits. Uh, and so, uh, again, uh, sowing bountifully is as the Lord defines it to you, right? Whatever the Lord tells you is bountifully, then that's what's bountifully, right? So I can't tell you that what that is, but the Lord can tell you what that is, amen? And he should be the one telling you, not me anyway. That's not my job. Uh, and so... Well, we're we're out of time. Well, we'll have to pick this up next week then. So, the Lord, the Paul's got some really good things to say in this section of verses here, uh, you know. But in all, all of these things, the one thing we should never ever do is be under pressure about giving. Never ever be under pressure about giving, unless you're rebellious, right? Then you'll always be under pressure, right? If you're rebellious, you're always going to be under pressure. But you should never be under pressure from me. I should never be able to put you under pressure for giving. You should give. Uh, In fact, the very next verse, we'll look at this more details next week. He says, uh, every man uh, according to, as he purposed in his heart, right? Not as I tell you what to do, but as what your heart, well, who's telling you what to heart, who's telling your heart what to do? Spirit of God is, right? And so whatever the Spirit of God is telling you what to do, then that's what you should should do, amen? Uh, And uh, and so, and the, the Spirit of God will never tell you to sow sparingly because he would violate his own word, right? Uh, and so, again, what does that mean? I don't know. It means whatever it means to you, amen? Uh, and so, see, uh, as a minister, that puts a lot of freedom in me because I'm never under pressure about your giving, never, ever under pressure about how much you all give uh, because I'm convinced the Lord will always take care of us, amen? Uh, and, and I remember, I think I told this story early on, but um, when Dr. Frain was, was about to build this church, you know, he he was uh, talking to the Lord about it. and said, well, Lord, you know, this is going to cost a lot of money. What are we going to do? And the Lord rebuked him. He said, well, it's, uh, he said, the reason why you don't have the the money to, to build your church is because you have not done a good job of teaching your people how to give. And so now it has to be on your faith. You're going to have to obtain these finances by your faith. Instead of the faith of all the people together, then you're going to have to do it on your faith. Uh, and so... And so he had to repent to the Lord for not teaching his people enough about finances. Amen. And we don't teach a lot individually about finances, but we do on a regular basis tell you about the faith of finances and, you know, tell you that the church is always prosperous and, and that uh, I tell you that my desire for you is to, for you all to be prosperous, right? And if you're prosperous, then this church will be prosperous. Amen. Uh, and it, see, it doesn't do me any good to just steal all your money out of your pocket because tomorrow you're broke. And then I'm stuck. Then, then, then it becomes a machine. Then I got to get more people in here because I've already uh, taken every penny out of your pocket uh, by coercion. So now I got to get more people in here because you're all broke. Uh, no, a better way is is for me to believe for you to prosper and to increase and to expand and to grow, uh, and and hopefully and prayerfully, in uh, by obedience, then you would return some of that prosperity back to the church, right? And the church as a whole would grow. And so that's that to me, that's a lot better way of doing things than to just always trying to shear the sheep, always trying to get a dollar out of your pocket, always trying to figure out ways to, to sell something else here in the church. Uh, and and I, just, I just, I can't do that, right? I can't, you know, uh, you know we're going to have a cover charge from now on. You know, got to be $2 to sit in the seat, right? Uh, you know, and then tomorrow, you know, we're, we're, then we're going to sell bottled water, right? Uh, you know, for 50 cents, you get a, a bottle of water, right? Uh, and, and look, if you want a bottle of water that bad, I'll just give it to you, right? Uh, and so I like the the... The sowing and reaping, so I'm always trying to give, right? I'm always trying to, and that's what this church is always trying to do. We're always trying to figure out how do we give, right? That's why we do the free yard sale. That's why we do the giving the water away. That's why we do the thing with the with the uh, with the jail ministry. Uh, it's why we give away our CDs. It's why we, you know, give away all of our uh, all of our um, uh, podcasts. We do all this stuff for free. Why? We're not giving it for free. We're sowing it, right? We don't give anything away for free. We're sowing things. And that's the way we see it right, in the ministry. We don't give anything away. We're sowing and reaping, right? We're, we're, we're taking advantage of the law of seed time and harvest. And so, and, and, and this has always worked. I mean, as long as I've been a Christian, it's always worked. So I'm not going to stop now. We're going to keep on giving, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the blessings and increase, Father, which you've given to us. We thank you for the law of seed time and harvest that you established that law. Uh, thousands and thousands of years ago, Father. And you said the law will be in place as long as the earth is here. And so, Father, we're here in the earth, and so we can take advantage of your law. You establish that, you put it in motion, and then you let it go, Father. Uh, you don't oversee it. Uh, it's a law that you establish, Father. It's, it's self-sustaining. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thought it'd be good to spend a little time there in Second Corinthians chapter 9. We'll continue there uh, next week. Uh, but there's just there's some good things that Paul talks about um, uh, in in this uh, these several verses here that I think if we can get established, um, you know. And look, I'm not mad at anybody. I can guarantee you. In next year, I hear I'll hear somebody say that such and such a ministry is good soil, right? Uh, and you know, if you flip on TV, you're going to hear somebody's got a debt-busting anointing. You know, you're going to hear all that stuff. Uh, I just let it. I don't judge them. I just let it go right? Lord, what are you going to do? Then that's what I'm going to do, amen? Ain't, uh, ain't nobody got no debt-busting anointing, there's not even a, such a thing, amen? Uh, well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to give. If you give tonight, all your debts are going to be blown away tomorrow, right? No, they're not going to be blown I can't guarantee that, right? But I can guarantee you, if you give uh, by the faithfulness of your heart, that you will take advantage of the law of seed, seed time and harvest, amen? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering, and, um, and I've said this plenty of times and again, I say this not because I'm trying to get a dollar out of your pocket uh, but if you're struggling financially I would, uh, you know, for me personally uh, uh, anytime I'm like traveling somewhere, I, I give something in every service, even if it's just a dollar, right? I mean, we write a check or something but the next service, I'm, I may just give a dollar, and I don't, don't you feel bad about it? No, what if somebody sees you only give it a dollar, you're worth more than that, I don't care none of their business, right? I'm, I want to give just because I want to stay connected to that law of seed time and harvest. Uh, and, and, uh, and seriously, I mean, sometimes it's because that's all I got in my pocket is a dollar. Well, I'm going to give it, you know. Uh, and so the uh, Lord is good. Amen. Uh, well, we'll uh, I guess that's no, no meetings this week, right? Uh, we had prayer Friday. And so, um, yeah, so, so February or Sunday is just a regular day. Uh, no special meetings or anything like that. So, all right, we'll be blessed. We'll see you all on Sunday.